Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OK, Now What? And it's not just any other episode. It is the last episode before the finale. Woo! So please tune in next week. Uh, it's going to be an amazing show. Um, so, yeah. Also, what's uh, really amazing is that it's Pride Month. You know, it's um, it's the most wonderful time of the year, it, you know, for the gays, you know, like me and the non-binaries. Um, sorry, Jason and Thomas, it's not your month, it's my month now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I can, you know, about Pride, for me, I can be a little bit of a Grinch because for four reasons. One, the corporations leeching on, like, the gay movement. Like, come on. Like, y'all are just trying to make money. So if you are buying, like, Pride attire, shop small business, please. Support them, okay? Uh, two, the straights. Don't even get me started on straight Pride, okay? Ugh, they're annoying. Um, three, the lack of knowledge about the activism. You know, Pride has just become one just giant, you know orgy and party and I'm like don't get me wrong I mean that that's just fun too you know I love partying I like going cray but it's really sad that like like LGBTQIA plus youth like myself like my age don't even know what Stonewall is yeah you know so that really like kind of hurts me and bugs me um there was one more hmm I guess that was it did I go through it all? Well, I guess there's just three. Oh, well. But um, Jason, Thomas, Pride Month, give me your thoughts. Well, I I, um, I have always been supportive of, um, you know, general uh, removal of oppressions from everybody. Uh, so my activism on behalf of oppressed classes being a, you know, uh, white cishet, male, um, you know, dominant paradigm person who has grown up with white male privilege their entire life. You know, I've really been uh, uh, supportive of all of the movements to liberate oppressed people. Um, one of the things as a congressional candidate that I actually want to talk about with um, here in Pride Month, and, and it, this is really an issue. Um, in fact, you know, just sort of the general uh, liberation of oppressed classes, whether it's the working class or whether it's, um, you know, minority, racial minorities, ethnic minorities, or, or um, sexual gender minorities, uh, is, is that the guy that I'm running against is really historically terrible on these issues. Um, you know, he does... That you'll notice politically that the the Democratic Party uh, does not have a great history with um, oh, supporting, no. supporting LGBTQ yeah. uh, uh, people and and activism and the general again movement to liberate uh, from oppression um, and. It was around 2012 that the Democratic Party kind of changed their tune on that and said, "Okay, we better get behind us." You know, mm -hmm. it's one of those things. It's one of those things where you know o Obama was not supportive of it uh, when he first took office. I mean, he's he was like, "No, I'm I'm not okay with gay marriage." You know, when the party changed 
sort of they changed their tune in 2012, 2013-ish, sort of an initial party line. Then you see a whole bunch of Democrats like the, the guy that I'm challenging, Washington second, start to change their tune. So when he is tweeting out sort of um, support of, of pride or support of, um, you know, uh, uh, the George Floyd justice and policing, if I can just kind of draw a parallel um, yeah. between those issues, that has not historically been the case. So you dig back into the record and what we have found, and I just want to, I just want to put this out there as a oh, candidate no, do. that I am, you know, um, there were uh, decisions, uh, the Windsor decision, June 26, 2013, um, which was, and I'm reading from my notes here just so I get it right. Uh, it struck down the uh, Defense of Marriage Act, right? The pro prohibition of federal recognition of same-sex marriages, okay? So in 2013, 172 House members signed a brief, an amicus brief, in favor of um, that legislation, in favor of Windsor, that is overturning DOMA. Um, Rick Larson, the guy I'm challenging, was not one of them. Um, so there were 201 Democrats in the House, 172 signed it. So that means less than 30 did not sign it. He was one who did not sign it, right? Um, wow. Now we go to uh, Obergefell uh, in June 26 of 2015. Um, that was the one that that uh, guaranteed uh, the right mm -hmm. to same sex uh, for same sex marriage. Again, 2015, 167 House members signed the amicus brief in support of Obergefell. Rick Larson was not one of them. 188 yeah. Democrats. 188 Democrats in the House. That means 21 Democrats did not sign it, and he was one of them. So I want to make sure that people know, and uh -huh. this is just me, you know, blatantly using this platform to self-promote. I have been in support of uh, LGBTQIA plus uh, uh, liberation from oppression since day one, uh, and I'm running against a guy who even as as recent as six years ago could not get behind same-sex marriage when even when the democratic party was changing its tune to get behind that you know so i want people to know that um i i i am uh, i'm here to to support and be an ally and celebrate pride with you i love that jason i just have one quick question i'm gonna move on to thomas um do you think it was just up here oh it's since it's popular amongst people we're just going to shift it so we are more popular do you think that was the case or you mean you mean with the democratic party in yeah. as in general yeah i mean the democratic party i listen let's let's be real here i mean look at the i mean they 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 are not leaders they are cowards you know you have you have the left that are leaders uh, and you have some of the progressive left within the democratic party that are leaders in the pushing but the but the party as a whole they don't move on stuff until they have stuck their finger to the wind and say oh that's the way it's going we'll get behind it you know and you see that over and over and over again wow thomas what are your thoughts on the pride month yeah yeah i uh, just to add to what jason said about um the democratic party i i think uh you know uh, like like a lot of these issues like a lot of social societal issues um they will they will get behind that because it doesn't uh, affect mm -hmm. uh, capital like doesn't doesn't That's actually issue, like, yep. doesn't actually challenge money um so to speak 
it's so so they'll 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 be very open to to accepting societal changes to to embracing these changes and look these things are very important but the reality is that they they will they will uh you know they will uh they will change the position on these but much more easily than something that actually affects uh capital or or um or, or money interests look at um, look at the resistance look at the resistance to cannabis legalization right yes. now I mean, that's that's a big issue. Public opinion is absolutely in favor of cannabis legalization. The party won't get behind it because there 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 are definitely financial considerations. Sorry to cut you ah. off, Thomas. I just wanted to support yeah. your point there. No, no yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's right. right. Uh, 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 completely disregard the fact that cannabis legalization would would uh, help um, the, the black people significantly. Like the whole population into minority significantly, so so even though that's a societal issue, they won't touch it because it's something that is connected to big money, and, and that's and that's the problem. But back to back to your question, Greg, about pride. I think you know uh, when you made that comment about people not remembering Stonewall, and like I think this is uh, we've seen this throughout history and what tends to happen is um uh corporate or centrists um co-opt uh very progressive moments in history and you get a little bit of revision going on it's a bit like the civil rights movement how they whitewashed martin luther king uh to to a huge extent and they yeah. just sort of and they sort of you know they they, they gloss over the the actual like okay how did this actually come about because it didn't just come out of thin air you know these the, the, these fights and this progress just didn't just didn't happen you know it, it came out of like serious struggle um and i think uh yeah i i think i think uh uh, uh you, you would like to see um more of that okay we need to we need to really uh help educate people and how this came about and why 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 people are able to do this now like why yeah. people are able to be very open like you know i i had this conversation with um with my parents and unfortunately like this is where like the generational divide like comes into play and like we would talk about trans rights and like people you know why why is there so many people like they, they made this off comment where it's like, why are so many people like mm -hmm. coming out as trans now? Or like, it just seems like this so like this like this never happened. Now people can finally identify yes. in safety because people, people feel safer to do so than they did in the sixties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we did that in the sixties. Like and we, and we have to recognize that it is still not safe. Yeah, exactly. it's not. It's still not safe, but it is de way definitely safer than nineteen sixty. Yeah. Yes. I do want to make one more point uh, that I can be a Grinch, and I remember there are four reasons why I'm a Grinch. It's the overall body shaming at most Pride events. Yeah. If you're not, um, um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to use some gay terms. Uh, if you ain't a white twink or a muscle daddy, you ain't welcomed. You know, if you don't, like, it's really sad uh, because, you know, we're all trying to, you know, talk about, like, we'll run about body positivity, but then you're still gross. So I'm like, you know, but that, 
Yeah, it, yeah that, that's one of the reasons why I'd, I'd still be a Grinch. <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay, so let's go ahead and move on. Um, I wanted to bring up, I have to bring up the story. All right. So, um, back uh, in mid-May, uh, the governor of Texas signed a law banning abortion as early as six weeks. So this is usually known as the heartbeat bill that's been going around in Texas, but not just in Texas and all in many other um, countries, <laughs> states. And um, there was also recently um, a senior valedictorian who, who brought this up during uh, their commencement speech and made some really good points. And I'm just like, why are we still having this conversation? Why? Like, how, how hard is it to recognize that a woman's body is a woman's body? And the fact that we have men, men, cis white men, um, making a, deci a decision when, in fact, we should really re be re regulating a man's body. Because think of it this way. A woman can only have one pregnancy at a time in, uh, in nine months. A man can go screw a hundred women and, you know, result in a hundred pregnancies. So who should we really be regulating, huh? Um, but Jason, you know, I, you know, as someone who's running for Congress, why do you think these politicians are so against abortion? Like, do you really think it's because of their religious beliefs or is there some other political motivation? No, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tool of control. There is a, so anytime you have a wedge issue, uh, you are distracting from economic issues. Uh, and, and so when, you know, it, it, I'll, I'll say this, that, that we say for, for the last 30 years of progressive policy, we know that the wedge issues are gods, guns, and gays, right? We say the three G's, God, guns, and gays. These are, <laughs> these are, these are personal, these are issues of personal freedoms um, that are used to distract and divide uh, from the fact that the 1% is robbing 99% of people. You know, that's really what it comes down to. So I have, as, a, as an educator, as uh, somebody taught high school for almost 20 years, um, I have had, I have tangled up with other educators who, and in mystifying to me, because you would want to think that these are more liberal-minded people, um, not always the case, but I have tangled up with educators who's, who, who will literally vote against education issues or vote against politicians who support education issues because they're Democrats and they say, I'll never vote for a Democrat, and the only reason I won't for, don't vote for a Democrat is the abortion issue. So I don't understand the mentality but what I do know is that it's not the politicians who necessarily, quote unquote, believe themselves, whether it is this, that or the other, but they know that is an issue that will get them votes. Mm -hmm. And when you're somewhere in the South where people's identity is very much tied to their religion, uh, it is it is used as a con. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so. What we have to keep focusing on is, is that abortions are not going to stop happening, right? Yeah. What is going to happen is what happened when it has been made, made illegal in the past 
is that they are no longer safe abortions. You are going to end up with women who are putting themselves in jeopardy uh, to get unsafe abortions. And and uh, that's the reality. I'm glad that you made that point because, yeah, of course, the, the top 1%, you know, the rich white women are going to have their... Absolutely. And, and the rich white women will be able to get safe abortions. Believe me, the rich white women will be able to get safe abortions in Texas. It is the poor black women and the poor Latino women who mm -hmm. won't be able to, you know, yeah. it is, it is, um, you know, it is teenagers who were, who were raped by their father or their brother who won't be able to, you know, it is, it is, it is simply a tool of oppression and nothing more. And it has absolutely nothing to do with quote unquote, the sanctity of life. They, yeah. you know, so that is a complete con. So we have to do whatever we can to be perfectly honest about this. It is anti-woman. Uh, it is, it is even anti-child because you are going to, you are simply forcing women. If they can't get an unsafe, uh, you know, an unsafe abortion, you're going to be forcing them to, to have a child that is not going to grow up in a wanted family. And I have to say, I have so many disagreements with, with Bill Clinton, but the one thing, one of the things that I do agree with him, he said, abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Right. That, and that's what. Yeah. So if you so if you are if we are educating people, if we are providing good sex education to to teenagers uh, and, and we are providing uh, birth control, that's another huge wedge issue. Should federal money go to, mm -hmm. birth, to provide birth control? Um, if, if we are making sure that that we are basing policy on good science, then abortions will be safe. They will be legal. And they will be rare because people will be educated. And you know, not just that, but if you're living in a good socioeconomic society, um, then, you know, you don't have to worry about money because kids cost money. Kids cost money. And that's then. so that's the other thing. You're forcing kids to be born into poverty. You know, that's... Yeah, Thomas, you, know, you want to go ahead and anyway. on? Yeah, yeah, it's almost like uh, the sanctity of life doesn't mean crap. Like, like the, the the conservative mindset is, is we're gonna we're gonna force you to have the child, and then once that child is born, it's like you're on your own. Yeah, you know, you don't, it's that, always that, been that way. Like, it's, it's always yeah, it's always it's always been that way. So so, um, yeah, I just uh, it's this is this is I, I've this is uh, this is more obscene to me because I, obviously I come from a country where this has been legal for a long time now. Um, uh, but I will say this: uh, Northern Ireland um, is in this is basically been the same trajectory as the United States has refused to legalize abortion. Like I, I think I'll have to double check, but they might have done it. Um, Ireland itself did a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ireland did, but Northern Ireland particularly has been very stubborn about it, and I think part of that is there's a deep religious um, Protestant. Uh, um, population and and I will say it does play a huge factor in this, but but the reality is you're right. It's a it's a control mechanism. It's to deny women their body bodily autonomy. It's to it's to like like this is what I don't get. Like you know we're supposed to have freedom in this country, like the freedom to to dict to you know have you know uh, the freedom to uh, go about um, a life. Like, like that, that, that's 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 what America espouses, but yeah. you know, 
but now you're gonna you, the, the conservatives. I, I just think conservatives have the the whole the whole mindset is warped. Like they don't want government interference and in things, but then when it comes to certain things, they do want government interference and in things. And it's like, well, you gotta pick a you gotta pick a side here. Like you, you yeah, just, they're highly inconsistent. It's just really inconsistent. So it is. Like, like, like you said, Jason, before, like this is a cultural cultural war, nothing more, um, and it's very and it's very easy uh, for people to get dragged into a cultural war rather than a class war. And I think I think exactly. that that that's the issue at hand. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our last story, which is good old Kristen Cinema um, is supporting the filibuster and um when she was asked why this is what she said i'm gonna go ahead and share that with y'all amending the filibuster or getting rid of the filibuster a lot of uh your colleagues in the senate say that that's not going to pass um and some people are saying that you have a choice between the filibuster and democracy your answer to that well, as folks in Arizona know, I've long been a supporter of the filibuster because it is a tool that protects the democracy of our nation. Rather than allowing our country to ricochet wildly every two to four years back and forth between policies, the idea of the filibuster was created by those who came before us, the United States Senate, to create comedy and to encourage senators to find bipartisanship and work together. And while there are some who don't believe that bipartisanship is possible, I think that I'm a daily example that bipartisanship is possible. So to those who say we must make a choice between the filibuster and X, I say this is a false choice. The reality is, is that when you have a system that's not working effectively, and I would think that most would agree that the Senate's not a particularly well-oiled machine, right? The way to fix that is to change your behavior. Not to eliminate the rules or change the rules, but to change your behavior. So I'm going to continue to go to work every day, aggressively seeking bipartisanship um, in a you know cheerful and happy warrior way, as I always do, and showing that when we work together, we can get things done. A lot of folks say that the filibuster is a relic of the Jim Crow era. Um, and my sense is you don't support those things from the Jim Crow era, so why would you support the filibuster? Well, the filibuster was not created as a tool to accomplish one thing or another. It was created as a tool to bring together members of different parties to find compromise and coalition. You know, when people say, when people argue against that, the filibuster wasn't uh, created because of the Jim Crow uh, era. It almost sounds like that argument that, oh, the Civil War didn't happen because of slavery. It was states' rights. It almost sounds the same because that's what it purely was. It was, it was a tool to block civil rights legislation. It was a tool to keep Black people from even, you know, being able to run for office it was a tool to oppress people and it continues to be because because of the filibuster we can't get um simple legislation done without 60 senators to approve that's bullshit it's literal bullshit um go ahead and give me your um your thoughts on this thomas ah go ahead um yeah so i mean that's Cinema is just a white supremacist, then. Like, <laughs> that's, 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 
That's just, uh, like, she, she is because she's, yeah. she's supporting she's supporting something that is uh, that is that is that is historically racist. Like, like uh, I, I don't know how else you can put it, but that, 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 that's the reality of it. Like, and I think look, Democrats have, uh, do a do a really good job of doing this. They do this every single time they gain power. They're very they're very good at trying not to do things. Like they're very good at finding a Joe Mansion, or they're very good at finding a cinema, or they're very good at finding a parliamentarian. Like they're very good at finding something to say. Oh, actually, we can't do this, even though we have every single um, legislative branch of government in our in our grasp. So, like, I don't know. It's just. Like if they don't, if they don't, uh, if they don't uh, remove the filibuster, they might. Biden might as well just say, "I'm done. That's it. We're not doing anything. That's it." Like <laughs> they're just giving up because <laughs> the idea that bipartisanship can work with with, with uh, particularly this 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 instance of Republicans is just. Uh, you're either naive or you're just lying. And I think in this case, cinema is just outright lying. She says she wants to do bipartisanship, but that's just code for. Uh, I just don't, I don't really want to pass a progressive uh, agenda or do anything to actually help uh, everyday yeah. Americans. That's true. Jason, and, and the, and the, the thing that, you know, what's what's disingenuous about it is, is there have not been while even, you know, when the so I think people need to understand sort of the, the more recent history of the filibuster. Like the fil filibuster has been in place for a long, long time in the US Senate, but it's only been in the last 50, 60 years that it has been used in such a partisan fashion. I mean, I think you know there there is some legitimacy sort of historically to say, hey, you know, we don't want these wild swings. I mean, I I you know I ostensibly that is what it's supposed to be supposed to be there for you know to to so that you so that you don't have um so you don't have too much change too quickly right but we are in a position where we are desperate for change right we are we are in a position right now where if we don't have some drastic change we're looking at complete economic co collapse complete environmental collapse you know we have we have fascists you know assaulting our government uh and that's and and so we're we're at a point like okay the filibuster has outlasted its use usefulness Mitch McConnell said in 2009, his sole purpose was to prevent Obama from being a two-term president. And he used the filibuster in a hyper-partisan fashion. You used to have to actually stand on the floor of the Senate and make your case. Like people who wanted to filibuster, they used to have actually have to stand there and talk and talk and talk in order to like bore everybody to death in order to prevent legislation. Now it has simply become, oh, you don't have a supermajority, go fuck yourselves, you're not getting anything through. And that's what it's become like right now. And that is because that is purely, because the Democrats won't do this, right? That is purely a hyper-partisan coming from the Reagan Republicans where we are, we are purely here to block 
anything that is going to help the working class is going to help help my minorities. In the last 40 years, the Republic, the, the, and, and even more in the last 20 years, because this has very much been a Mitch McConnell, we're not letting a goddamn thing through, you know? So the fact that, the fact that um, you can allow somebody as disingenuous, you know, as openly, blatantly two-faced as Mitch McConnell, it, from the minority, from the minority, run roughshod over the Senate and prevent legislation, you know, that the Democrats can look at what he did to Merrick Garland and then turn around and say, oh, yeah, we're going to jam through um, Amy Coney Barrett, you know, in the last in the last month of Trump's term, you know, for them to allow Mitch McConnell to make those blatantly disingenuous arguments and now with the Biden presidency, when they have an opportunity to take that away and actually get some shit done, they're not going to do it. You know, like I, I'm in Thomas's corner with this one. They just don't want to do anything. You yeah. know, they just don't want to do it. They anything. don't because so they I, have no one else to blame. So I yeah. so I and, and and so I don't know if this is enough to get cinema removed from office. Uh, I don't know if it's enough to get Joe Manchin removed from office. I mean, you, Arizona and West, I mean, West Virginia, probably not with Manchin, maybe Arizona with cinema. Um, they, they can wreck the, the, the Democrats in Arizona because it did go for Biden. Maybe that's something there to say, okay, we can do better than cinema. Um, but you know, here's the thing. I mean, all they need is one or two people in the Democratic Party to block all Democratic legislation, you know? So, I mean, at this point, what's the, what what the hell is the point? What is the point? Someone, you know? someone, someone pointed out on social media that I saw that there was, there was enough Republicans out of town um, for the Democrats. They could have, they could have done an emergency meeting and they could have ended the filibuster then and there because there was enough Republicans out of uh, not present to basically do it then and there, but they don't like like if if this is something that they actually wanted to do, they, they would have done it by now. But you like back to and, and point. It's gonna, you know, here's the thing: the result the result is going to be Democratic losses in 2022. Yeah, you know I that's the thing that. because 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 the Republicans are not only because they've done this over and over and over again. You know. They break government and then they say, oh, look, government's broken. The government doesn't work. And then mm -hmm. they'll blame the Democrats for it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be the same thing again. Why did we not get what one? The, the Republicans will take credit for all the good things that happen, even though they all vote against it. You know, they, they have learned how to take credit for it. And then all the failures that they instituted, they are going to blame all that on the Democrats. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're going to end up with Democratic losses. And the one way, the one surefire way that we could actually take that power about out out of the hands of the Republicans to basically lie to the American people through through Fox News propaganda yeah. uh, is is to remove the filibuster and actually start passing legislation that will be of benefit to the American people. And there is such a short window of time to do anything that every day is a wasted day. Every day that they don't do this is another day closer to massive losses in 2022. And it will all be their own fault. And it know? really just shows that. And it really shows why the Democratic Party just isn't the party? It isn't a left wing party. Oh, really it's not, isn't. no, not even. But not even. yeah. <laughs>
All right, folks, so we are going to move on to our interview portion of the episode. Uh, and this week we have Sharice Snugs, who is uh, helping with the or organization of the March for Medicare for All, which is a national event that is happening in tons of cities, LA, uh, New York, mm -hmm. uh, Seattle. Well, what are the cities, Sharif? Oh my God, it's, uh, it's Phoenix, it's Honolulu, it's Tampa, it's, um, Jesus, um, DC, uh, Seattle, it's Portland, um, Detroit, um, Chicago. Wow. Um, it's, it's, we have like 15. It's so hard to keep track. And I know for a fact there's at least going to be two more um, that I'm aware of because they've reached out to me saying that we'll be signing up on Mobilize. So I find that to be, I, again, this is like, I didn't imagine this to be possible. I, we know me and Ricky, um, when we first started talking about it, um, we decided to think, we just only thought about one March. We didn't, mm -hmm. we didn't plan for this. Um, we didn't even think that as many people was going to be going to sign up. It was just like, we'll have one March just to let people know the spirit of force to vote is still here. But man, it's this, these mini marches just prove that, um, the movement's here. The movement's yeah. here. They, they make no mistake. Anyone saying anything less, they're lying. They're not lying now. Seriously. Well, I'm so glad that this is happening. Um, to let uh, the audience know, um, Myself and Jason, who um, are, you know, part of the show, uh, we will also be attending the March for Medicare for All. Um, I believe Jason will be speaking at the Seattle event since he's running for Congress in Washington. I myself is running or running for Congress in about five years, so 2026 is just around the corner. <laughs> so, um, Sharif, what made you decide to do this uh i know you touched on, uh, uh touched on it when you said that the force of energy is still alive but what made you do this so tell me yeah um so when the pandemic hit um i was like oh my god this is this is bernie's time to shine he's gonna be president this is his beacon right here the the, the, the skies opened up for bernie sanders um if it ever was a moment in history for one senator to become president would be Bernie, and that was COVID. And the fact that he said now is not the time for Medicare for all, that just, um, for me, that just was a huge red flag that Bernie's not an ally. And I know a lot of people hate when I say that. Um, I really don't think he's an ally. I really just don't believe that at all. And But at the same time, I did say, you know what? Maybe there's a strategy. Maybe there's a play here that I'm not aware of. And then when forced to vote happened, I said, well, maybe this is why Bernie's saying it's not the time. Maybe that's the time when forced to vote happened. And Bernie didn't show up. We asked the squad to show up. No one showed up. We got a big FU saying, you know, there, there, was no, there was no push for it. And so at that point, um, when the forced to vote march happened, because there was one march in January, um, I was telling Ricky, um, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. I was trying to go. I was so angry with myself. Um, I was telling Ricky, we need to have another march. We need to go back to D.C. Mm -hmm. We need to push and show there's some solidarity here across the country. We need to do something. Um, and I didn't even know how to get started, actually. I just joined cert certain groups. I joined certain Slack channels. I go into certain um, organizations, Zoom meetings, to kind of get a sense of how this all works. Because I'm new to organizing. I'm new to activism. I don't. I'm, I have a very little experience in this. I've been to marches before, like anybody else here in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, but um, in regards to 
being actively in an organization and being active and being an um, actual organizer. No, zero experience. And this, a lot of this for me, a lot of us in our group actually as well, it's a lot of on-the-job training. We're learning as we're doing. We're throwing it. We're just throwing things out, um, out there just to see what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, that's awesome. Thomas, you want to go ahead and add? Yeah, I was going to say uh, on your comment about Bernie Sanders, I think the, 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 problem, the problem is, is that the... Uh, it seems to be that they they've obviously had to capitulate to to their right, like particularly Sanders on this issue. I think he's he's been pushed to the right by the Biden administration, and that was inevitable. The Biden administration is a, a right wing um, administration. I mean, right. I mean Biden, Biden Biden himself has always been a conservative Democrat his whole right. life, and so I feel like the even though people were told, you know, we could push Biden left, we could push Biden left. I, I to be honest, my personal opinion, I never believed that. Um, I never believed that would happen. Um, I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, the way that this this universe is is, is turned out is that um, people like Bernie Sanders, and you know, if some some progressives, uh, obviously, uh, much further left. Um, they've they've been they've been pushed to the right also because uh, because they just don't have uh, I, I don't think they have the necessary power in order to in order to really um, make substantial change. But I, I also I also want to add that I believe that any social movement, if you look back in history, um, didn't originate from politicians you're gonna have to go you're gonna have to go deeper than that civil rights movement didn't originate from a politician um you're gonna you're gonna have to like and i believe this is where medicare for all especially healthcare will will come it'll it'll come from the ground i remember my whole my 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 home country uh the way that we ended up with national healthcare service um, was after World War Two, and it's because of World War Two that le- that uh, led eventually to the national health service system. The, the Brexit system, right? The what? Sorry, Brez- the Brexit system. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, yeah, it was basically we had what was called the White Paper uh, okay. that was that was drawn up by. Um, uh, it was sort of a bipartisan commission, but. Uh, what ended up happening was that they realized, oh my God, we've got so many soldiers coming back from World War II that can't get healthcare, right? They can't, uh, in fact, I've talked about this before on this, on this podcast, that basically uh, the old UK system is very much like what the US system is today, where you have uh, hospitals that are run by charities. Um, you, you basically, uh, basically the whole thing is set up so that it's all, Based on non-profit entities that are, that are basically making up for the shortfall of the fact that the government isn't providing healthcare. Right. But on top of that, the, my grandpa used to, before the NHS was implemented, used to have to pay a weekly allowance for a hospital bed um, because right. um, because basically. Good Lord, what really? Yeah, no. he had to, he to reserve basically to reserve a hospital bed in the case that he got sick. That's what my grandpa used to do. Um, and he was dead dirt poor. Like my, my grandfather had to uh, had to go to food banks regularly. Like he wasn't a ri- that. Like my my mom's side of the family was very poor. Uh, in fact, we they had to they had to uh, um, accept food donations from the church. 
um, uh, because they just they just they just couldn't afford to not to, you know. So I I my my, my um, it wasn't that long ago, you know. My mom experienced what it was like to not have healthcare as a human right, um, but what it took to fight for it was it it was it it this probably will be one of the hardest battles um, uh, ever to get no, this implemented because it is but because it is such um, it's such a a, a money making. Uh, project um, and there are so many people that don't want this to be implemented because right. they make so much money out of it it's going to be extremely difficult but we you, we have to like the, the, there's so many people that are dying um, dying because of this lack of healthcare is just is, is just horrendous so I'm I'm very much I'm, I've always been very much part of the force to vote um, I I I don't see any other option left, really. We don't have time to stall on this. We don't have time to not tackle this. I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit here. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, you're right. We don't have time. I've been telling people, this is one of the reasons why um, my team and I, we've been talking about doing more marches. We're going to do one every year. We're going to do more actions throughout the, um, throughout the year. We're just thinking about other things we're going to do because we don't want to go, we, we can't go away. The moment we slow down, you know, the, the more the more likely we're not going to get Medicare for all. You know, um, you mentioned a point about like the civil rights movement not having politicians, and I really believe that direct democracy. You know, um, Americans being involved, being engaged. Whole Washington right now. I'm pretty sure you guys know um, is doing a ballot initiative in Washington State, and I think that's the way. I know a lot of people have their own issues with state versus um, national. Um, everyone was national, even whole Washington was national effort. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it, but um, we really have to fire at all cylinders. We can't take the chance of not approaching one um, one option. We can't say, well, this option is better, so let's focus on all the eggs on this one basket. I think we need to take any course to get Medicare for all closer. Yeah. I think we just have to do it. We just we don't have the time to fight over you know what's a better option. Um, we just really have to keep going. And the fact that we have, I feel I feel that Americans need to start doing more ballot initiatives in every state. Um, I agree. Yeah, we we, we, have, we don't have an option not to. Now I have a quick question for you. Um, so when the the idea of force the will happen, I wasn't necessarily. Um, for it only because like oh well i mean it's just gonna fail but then i was like okay i but you know we're in the middle of a pandemic and not just a pandemic but people are still dying from other diseases and i'm like you know what not nah, f that we need to force this vote because healthcare, you know for me healthcare and climate the climate crisis are my two biggest things no, same, same so, health. And, um, well, because when you don't have a planet, you don't, you can't, have, you can't worry about your health, right? Exactly. So, yeah. But then, when I was, uh, when all that was happening, I was noticing a lot of um, criticism towards, you know, the squad and Bernie, because you did mention Bernie. I agree on criticizing their strategy, but to flat out call them frauds and maybe not allies, that's where I'm. That's where. You, a lot of people lose me because mm -hmm. I, I agree that's a bad strategy they should they should be forcing the vote and they are doing a disservice to their constituents by doing that 
But to call them a fraud or just not an ally, I don't know. But could you like explain that? No, for sure. I'm definitely one of those people who um, who considered Bernie and the squad on the ally. I definitely call them frauds for sure. Because I went to AOC's offer several times during Force to Vote, during the um, from last year up until this year. She's not in her office. When you when you do get a secretary or someone like that, they don't answer you. They don't respond to you. Um, you call. You can text. You can email. They just will not engage with you. So for me. Anybody, any politician, not just AOC, I don't want to just put everything on her. Any politician, I don't care who it is, if you're not available, you're not you're not you're not being held accountable and you're not doing your job. So like I don't want to hear this excuse, this COVID. I don't want to hear you can you can email, you can fax, you can text, you can answer the phone call, you can be present. If none of those things are options, that means you're telling me to go pound sand. You're telling me to go fuck myself. You don't want to hear what I have to say. You have zero interest in solving this problem. AOC is really good at taking a photo op. You know, I live in a building in Jackson Heights because that's she's my constituent. She, I live in a building right next to the building that we caught fire. AOC showed up for a photo op. So you have time to show up for a photo op for a building burning down, but the country's burning down. Why don't you have a time to photo, for a photo op for that? Why can't I ask you a question in regards to force to vote? Why can't you be available to hold Nancy Pelosi accountable for not even having a floor vote. I'm not even asking for it to pass. I'm not one of those people that says, we're here for right now, right, right now. I'm recruitable. If you even had the opportunity to say, listen, whatever, what, whatever happens, just put up for a floor vote. I will, me, now I can't speak for anybody else, me, I will be happy. More than satisfied. Can't even get that. There's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, and I do agree with the whole idea of if you force the vote, then you obviously see who's against medic Medicare or I mean healthcare in a public health crisis. You know, so I do agree with that strategy. I don't know because I know, and and, and what you said is valid. You know, like I mean, she's not present, and she she didn't even try for this force the vote and same with bernie and the rest of the squad but like i don't know and for me aoc uh, i aoc lost my respect when she donated to the corporate democrats right. so no, but, I agree. I, but when i look at rashida talib and ilhan i don't know it's just, it's just, it's really hard to here's to why here's why way. i'm saying that if it was a normal year I wouldn't even say anything, cause I'm a, I was a I was a ride or die squad member. Love AOC, love Bernie. Mm -hmm. It was a normal year. Lips could be seals, not a word. We're in a pandemic. You need to act accordingly. She refused to meet the moment. It's not even like if she made a mistake, fine. She's not even trying to meet the moment. Not even making an effort, Bernie either. When's the last time we heard Bernie Sanders talk about Medicare for all? When was the last time even like even went out there to discuss yeah. it? Yeah, that's that, and that, and that, and I bring up the point again. The problem is it's been he's been pushed right to the Obama administration. Yeah, that's what that, that's what it's about. Like he, he, he like it's it's all good. He, okay, he's the he's the Senate he's the uh, Senate Budget Committee leader, but the the reality is is that he has. He has been pushed right by the Biden administration, and so now because because he's chosen to caucus and work with Democrats, he now he, he, he just now has no choice. Like he's he's just chosen. This is the path I'm on, 
and now I have to stick with it. And do you like, think that's all. the same for the um, the House members as well, like because of Nancy sure. Pelosi? No, I, I think, think so. it's, I think it's I slightly think so. different because I, I believe that we don't actually have a progressive caucus, like one that actually votes as a block. No, and and that is my that is my biggest beef with, with them is mm -hmm. that you can't even come together and go, you know what, we all need to be on the same side on this issue and just, you know, we, you know, in this moment in the Biden administration, they wield a lot of power. They're a minority, but there, there's such a slim margin on votes that if they all just came together and go, you know what, we're not going to vote for this unless you include $15 minimum wage in this package. Right. right. But you know they don't, they don't do it. They, do, they don't flex that. And look, some people argue, okay, well, if they don't vote, Republicans, a few Republicans will just jump in and vote for it instead. I'm like, good. Do it then. You know, they're, they're like, you know, <laughs> it, it just shows that Republicans are just, yeah, we all know Republicans are they they'll just follow rules by whoever's in charge of their in charge of their whip. They don't they have no they have no reasonable uh, thinking about things. They just they just do what they're told. But the reality is is that um, that's my biggest that's my biggest beef with them that they just don't they don't, they can't seem to organise some sort of like caucus amongst themselves. You know, is it, yeah. what is it, how many how many is there now? Seven of them. Right. There's also ten, and honestly, oh, go ahead, Steve. I was gonna say also too. AOC is not really a politician anymore. She's a celebrity. You know what I'm saying? So we 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 live in a very celebrity-filled culture. So we're never gonna hold we're never gonna hold celebrities to the same degree that we hold a politician. We just don't. We'll shit on Ted Cruz, but AOC gets a pass because Ted Cruz doesn't have the popularity the celebrity status that AOC and the squad has. They're celebrities. You know, they're on, they're on magazine covers, they're on Vanity Fair and all this type of stuff. And none of the politicians have that same gusto. They don't have that same kind of like plateau, so to speak. So they hold to a different set of standards. And so she'll never be called out. I, again, I live in Jackson Heights. So I'm in the belly of the beats. When I'm out there approaching the AOC, people look at me like I'm crazy. They was like, how dare you do that? Do you know who you're protesting? I was like, yeah, I know who I'm protesting. So they don't even, even her own neighborhood. And again, we got hit the hardest in New York City and Jackson Heights. Even in her own neighborhood with all the deaths, with all the COVID cases, with everything that happened, they still will not call her out. And that is why she still holds power. Because even in that situation, no one will call her out in her own neighborhood. And I'm living proof of that. They will not do it. They won't do it. Yeah, it's just like, yeah because, yeah. They're scared. They're, yeah. they're scared that if they, they're scared if they do that, that they're going to end up back with another. I can't remember the, the last. Oh, 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 oh. But she. But what's the difference? What's, yeah. I know a lot of people. A lot of people like get mad. A lot of people get mad when like. Um, I think when Jimmy Dore said a while ago, like, oh, like there's no difference between Nancy Pelosi and like AOC. But I understood why he said that because at the end of the day, if you're still not solving the problem, what's the difference? It doesn't matter. If I'm dying, if I'm lying on the floor dead, right? And you walk by me, right? Doesn't get problem solved. But if you walk by me and say, I'm going to get you help. Don't worry. Have this blanket. No worry. I'm going to call this person. Don't worry. I'm going to do this. Don't worry. I'm going to do that. I'm still dying. So it doesn't really matter what you do, whether you ignore me or give me, you know, lip service. It doesn't matter. If I'm still dying on the floor, who cares? 
And so people don't understand yeah. that concept. A lot of Americans are in that situation and they're not even thinking about why someone make that comparison. It doesn't matter what policy you have. It doesn't matter what side of the, what side of the um, aisle you are on. If the person needs help and you refuse to help them, no matter what the reason is, you're the same person. You know, that, that gave me a little bit of more clarity to that. You know, you're right. Because, and if you can't help them, then why are you there? You know, because for me, as of a person who plans to run in five years, I'm not going to take shit. I'm not going to butter up to Nancy. I'm not going to butter up to the establishment. And God forbid, I am not going to donate $5,000 to a corporate Democrat. So, um, thank you, Sharif, for (laughs) giving me that clarity. Um, So, damn, yeah. But um, as for Medicare for All, you know, when, when it comes to AOC's stance on that, and do you think it would be possible to primary her? Um, you would have to find someone on her level. And what I mean on her level, not like policy-wise, celebrity-wise. So if another celebrity or someone who has her star status... 100% AOC can lose, 100%. The problem is that you can't fight AOC with policy. You have to fight AOC with status. People don't, and, and, and this for my opinion in general, Americans don't care about policy. They just do not. They just do not. They care about celebrity size. They care about who they like. They don't care about um, what you can do for them. They care who they like. Oh, I like that person. I'm going to vote for them. Oh, I heard about him. Oh, I'm going to vote for them. What are you, what, what are you running on? What are you gonna fix? What are you gonna do? I um um I, first time I ever voted was last year, believe it or not. I'm I, th- I just turned thirty eight. I never voted before in my whole life. I voted wow. for Jesse. I voted for Jesse Ventura, and the reason why I never voted because I um when I grew up in my neighborhood, but mostly in a black neighborhood, they would tell me just vote Democrat, but they didn't explain to me why I just vote Democrat. They never tell me why I vote Democrat. They don't tell me what what's bad about Republicans. They said, just don't vote for Republican. They don't tell me why. The other person, um, what the policy is for that person, they never give you any information. So for me, I was like, well, why am I voting if I don't know why I'm voting for that person? Okay, whatever. And I feel Americans are just very much like that. They just vote for who they like. They don't vote for policy. And so with regards to AOC and priming her, anyone can primate AOC, but they have to be on her level. They have to be like a Vanity Fair level celebrity, someone like is so someone is so polarizing like for example not you know this is this is an overreach but like someone like the rock you know what i mean because there's this hinting about the rock running for president and the rock primary aoc aoc is getting destroyed it's as simple as that you know what i mean yeah well Cherie, thank you so much for joining on oh, i absolutely. really appreciate you um i'm so glad that you know that this march is happening i'm excited to um participate um like i said folks jason and i will be speaking at the event jason will be speaking at the uh, seattle event i will be speaking at the la event this is J- july 24th yep. and go to our, go to our website it's um m4m4all.org that's m4m4all.org um mm-hmm. if you want to go to um our link tree um we can sign up and start your own um account um that's link tree and then that's m4m4all.org um and you can definitely sign up there 
um, yeah, this is this has been amazing. I just hope more people just come out and um, really push for this. And I think we're very, we're gonna get it. I mean, New York is close. We're very close. We're at the edge here right California now. California too. California, yep. Washington, even um, even Connecticut. I think I think if more people get involved and do um, do a, some some form of ballot initiative, I think we'll definitely get it. For sure. Awesome. And all that information will be in the description below. All right. Thank you, Sharif. And um, thank you all for watching another episode of OK Now What? Next week is the season one finale. Please list, uh, tune in to next week. It's going to be one hell of an episode. All right, folks. Take care and good night.